This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Over the last few years, Chicago has been getting a lot of play in the TV realm. If you've watched any of the shows set in the Windy City, you've probably seen LaRoyce Hawkins. He plays Kevin Atwater in Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, and the list goes on. But I know him from the comedy Southside. And it's so dope to see somebody who's from the area play all these Chicagoans. LaRoyce grew up in Harvey, Illinois, so just south of the city. And he's still very much plugged into the community that made him. Some of his first gigs were in Harvey. As a Ray Charles impersonator, he started a band with his homies called the Ray Charles Experience. I had an AP history teacher who kind of was like our fake manager. He saw me and my little brother playing around one day, and he was like, y'all should do that, and I can help y'all get gigs. The SAG after strike is still ongoing, which means LaRoyce couldn't really talk about any of his TV projects. Luckily, that's not all he does. If you're a true fan, you probably also know him as LaRoyce the Voice. He's been deep in the Chicago poetry and comedy scene for years now. It was always a comedy element. There was always poetry and there was always music. He's even in the middle of a tour right now called Poetry Over Prose, which we'll get to a little later. But if you're out and about in the city, you might also just know LaRoyce as the tall guy with the toothpick. I was diagnosed early with a oral fixation and I always saw my pops and his homies, like they always had toothpicks. And so to avoid biting my nails and chewing on pin tops, It just became something that, you know, satiated the vibe, and it ended up becoming a thing. So, as you can see, we're about to get to know LaRoyce a little bit more. And so far, there's already kind of a theme here. A lot of his worldview comes from the adults who supported him as a youngin', especially his mom. The first production I ever saw, my mom was a part of. Not because she's a great actress, because she didn't act at all in it, but she can ride a unicycle. And it was unique for anybody to be riding unicycles in my hood because, you know, it wasn't. I feel like any place is unique for somebody to be riding a unicycle, except for the circus. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she used to be able to ride with like me and my little brother on her hip. Like just unicycling down the street. Wow. I'm, you know, like this is all of this that you're telling me is is like hilarious. And I know that you were you're doing a lot of comedy. You're still doing comedy. Um, When did you first realize you were funny? Um, I think I knew, I think I, I knew I was funny young, you know, I was, um, I was, I was the class clown that, that, you know, most people appreciated. You know, I didn't really get in trouble for being funny. It was like, it was just a part of everybody's day. It made, it made everybody feel good. I just love making people feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even a smile for me is like, if I can get one of those about you, then, then I'm good, you yeah. know, but I started focusing on, on telling jokes about 16, 17, it was after I won state in original comedy that I was like, oh, I think I can, I think I can do this, right? And yeah. um, 
my 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 comedy partner at the time, who was my best friend, his name was Bobblehead. Me and Bobblehead started doing improv. Um, we started doing improv with each other. So we were like an improv team. And early, we would go to schools that had Black history curriculums. And we were like, we would act out the Black history characters. And I was always the character. He was always the straight guy. So I'd be the one playing um, George Washington Carver or, or, or Madam C.J. Walker for the little homies, helping them understand like who these people were in our history. And, um, and, and so, so it started with me and him, just like I said, being an improv duo. So were y'all like contractors, like as kids or like, how did y'all get these gigs? Yeah, well, we were in the humorous duet acting, right? It was a part of a speech situation and judges would critique us every Saturday and give us ranks. And, you know, that's how you win first, second, third place. Um, and we were reading one of our critiques, and one of them said, I would have paid to see this performance. And the light bulb went off. You know, we felt like we could we could take this road on the show. And before we knew it, that's exactly what happened. We, we developed our own um, website called comedyinthecan.com. And uh, and that was all about here. He was really the brain. We were like Pinky in the brain, like for real. Like he knew how to do coding and graphics, and he put the website together, and I just contributed the content, you know, and we were a dope team like that. So yeah, we were contracted. We will also do um this is hypothetical meeting. I can't think of the author's name right now, between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. He was Malcolm X, I was Dr. King. And every Black History Month and every Dr. King day, we knew we would get money because we had gigs. We hit church. It's like summer with the people who cut grass. Like it's like, all right, we in there. <laughs> it's like, man, we in the pocket right now. So you're also a poet, Royce the Voice. Um, can you spit some? I can. I'm, I'm going to tell a story. A story about an OG, a big homie of mine. Very, 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 very old guy. But I learned a lot from him, and you will too, after you hear this piece. Mm. On his 100th birthday, believe it or not, that old man was asked to what he attributed his longevity. And with a twinkle in his eye, that old man replied that the only way to age is to live a long life. He continued and said that most nights he went to bed and slept instead of sitting up with worry and regret because a century is mentally later than you think, but sooner than you expect. But yet he couldn't forget that 50 year old on the inside of him that made it up in his mind within a half a century ago that he would never be too old to dream new dreams and set new goals. Even then, 10 years over the hill, he still had the will to grow, not for better or worse as he got old, but more to himself. And as the birthday candles began to cost more than the cake itself, he realized that after 50, everything that doesn't hurt doesn't work. So 50 years later, on his 100th birthday, after he blew out each candle, the same man was asked what he wished. And with a twinkle in his eye, the old man replied, my wish was this, even though I've lived a century I wish to live out of my imagination and not out of my memory. I call that piece 50. Thank you. So this was like a a story and a poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually my first commission piece. Um, 
uh, I wrote that for my high school's girlfriend's 50th, uh, for a father's 50th birthday. Um, God rest his soul. He just he just recently passed. Um, but but yeah, that was that was a piece that I wrote a long time ago. But 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 I still you know I think it still can teach us a lot. Um, the imagination for me, especially lately, um, has just been like the theme of how I of how I cook and create. That's really my approach. My son has helped me rediscover how important um it is to really take your play seriously and 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 grow out of your imagination more than anything. So that piece has been on my heart for a while. Mm. Yeah, speaking of kids, me and my godson, um man, he got me to freestyling and I always say that I'm like really bad at freestyling, but like the only time I've been able to do it is when I'm with him because like it, it's not, and I know that it's not being recorded. Nobody's watching. Right. I don't care. You know, he's not going to judge. He's a kid, you know, and then there it all comes out. So yes, yeah, a man, beautiful inspiration. You lucky he's not here because I would have to give you the bar again. <laughs> yeah, I am lucky because uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm really bad <laughs> at it. Um, so Let's get into Poetry Over Prose, um, this tour. Tell me about the title first. Why Poetry Over Prose? Poetry Over Prose hit me because, you know, if you understand prose, prose is essentially unstructured storytelling. Um, poetry is more verse, rhythmic. It's probably going to rhyme. Prose, not necessarily, right? But you're definitely telling a story. And I wanted Poetry Over Prose to feel like um, an intimate conversation over dinner, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so you would get, you would feel these compositions over storytelling that takes you on a journey. Hopefully you learn more about yourself than about me, right? Obviously I'll be telling, you know, stories and bringing up moments from my life. So yeah, so so that's the concept, poetry over prose. Mm. And plus I just love alliteration. When I found that, I was like, ah, poetry over the prose, it was, my manager didn't get it at first. He was like, what's pros? I was like, bro, let me help you understand. Once he got it, he was like, okay, I see. I feel you, I feel you. It's for the writers in the room, for the writers. For the writers in the room. Um. Okay, so walk me through. So we, we walk in, we walk into the venue. Um, mm -hmm. What's what's going to happen when I get to Poetry Over Pros? What's going to happen is uh, you're going you're gonna to walk into the venue. Uh, we should kick it off with, with soft live instrumentation. And I have mm -hmm. an opener. You'll see Emerald Green. Um, you'll see the legendary Black Ice. Um, you'll you'll hear great musicians like uh, Jeff Gibbs, who's the best saxophone player at his church. You you're gonna get Troni and Main Love. Uh, Main Love was actually like my alternate uh, piano player back when I had the Ray Charles experience. So it's gonna be dope to have everybody in the same wow. pocket. But yeah, well, you, you know, so the openers will kick it off. Uh, you know, Black Ice will host it and, you know, be the glue that keeps everybody in the pocket. By the time I come on stage, um, you, you're already going to be in the in the flow of things. Yes. It's going to feel great. Lovely. Thank you for talking about Poetry Over Prose. Um, I want to kind of get back to, to what's happening in your life in this very moment, um, which is that mm -hmm. um, as a work as a person who works in Hollywood, you're on strike right now. Um, and mm -hmm. like most Hollywood actors and writers, and I think, I think of a strike sometimes as a fast. Mm -hmm. You really need outside forces in order to get through it, right? Like your mm -hmm. community, other things that serve as sustenance in the place of what you're used to getting or used to doing. And I wonder how you're finding that these days, how you're engaging in community, how you're getting that sustenance, or if that even resonates. <laughs> 
No, that definitely resonates. That definitely resonates. Um, yeah, strikes, especially for me right now, they can feel like all kind of stuff. It feels like a fast for a fact. It feels like a pandemic a little bit, mm. uh, you know, but but more than anything, it feels like uh, it feels like we got to fight. Naturally, I, I stand with with SAG after and, and the writers. Um, and I do believe that by the end of the strike, um, you know, everything will be exactly where it's supposed to be, mm. you know. Um, but I think I think it's it's important for us to maintain obviously our our, our interest in in the craft. Like that's why I appreciate this moment to be able to tap into the other gifts in my bag. And so, you know, that's really how I've been spending my time. But I think, but I think it also, you know, to keep your chops wet, you you'll stay ready and, and we won't be rusty by the time we get back. So my intention. Um, during this strike is to is to return a, a, an even better artist and a better storyteller than I was when I left. Yeah, there's in, in a time of scarcity, there's always an opportunity. There's always a lesson. Um, and, and if you're lucky, you can you can tap into that. So, yeah, good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always going back to Harvey, back to your high school, talking to students, um, mm-hmm. doing collaborations that bring resources to the community. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I said this before, even in Chicago, I know at some point, once every few months, I'm going to see LaRoyce at an event. <laughs> um, can you talk about what it means to be so big, right? You've, you've really, you know, you're really present in a lot of people's homes, right? In their households, you know, when, when they see you on TV, they see you um, on the screen or mm-hmm. at a show, but also you're still so deeply connected to home, right? People see you in the places where they go, you know, on a regular basis. Um, yeah. How does that serve you personally? I know that that people are grateful for the craft and the art that you bring, but how does it, how does it serve you to be in your community? Well, I think um, Grandpa John always taught me that um, if, if home is where the heart is, then then home is where it starts. So I've been raised to understand that it's, it, it behooves me more to plant the seeds in my community, in my hood, um, you know, where, where my family is, than to plant those seeds anywhere else. You know what I mean? Not that you don't plant seeds in other places, but, you know, you, you start with your roots. That's why it's always important for me to go back, because not only does it inspire me, but I think it, it also inspires the community. It reminds us that, that there's hope. Um, I feel like just to be seen out there, if, if I can do it, anybody can, mm. you know, Harvey is a place that, that doesn't have the most resources. We're, we're doing our best to really bring it to a space where we can compete with other communities in the state of Illinois. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot going on out here. And at an early age, I realized that we were deprived in certain areas, that we just didn't have the opportunity that other kids had. And so um, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to be an exception to that rule and, and come back and give the kids the tools that they need to be able to do the same thing. LaRoyce Hawkins is an actor, comedian, and poet. Thank you so much, LaRoyce. Uh, thank you, Aaron Allen. This was a pleasure. You can catch the Chicago show of Poetry Over Prose on October 1st at the Promontory in Hyde Park. For more info and tickets, head to LaRoyceHawkinsLive.com.
And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, please rate and review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.